Welcome one and all to another episode of Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It's great to have you. It's October 16th, and I've got a great show for you this week. Before we get into the show, again, as I've been doing all month, let me talk about the Greater Magic Question Contest. You can win a signed copy of Gyps Falvis' new release of his album, Nocturnes for Nightmares, by sending me a question about greater magic that you might want to know the answer to. So, in this Halloween week, I am presenting a greater magic episode where I am going to have a panel of greater magic practitioners. And we are going to be discussing greater magic in depth. Theory, practice, suggestions, tips. If you have anything you want to know about, send it to me Info at 9centspodcast.com or you can call me at 801-899-6168 and leave a voicemail with the, um, with the question. That is actually my Google Voice line, so no one's going to pick up. It's going to go straight to uh, answering machine. You can also, if just in case your uh, question doesn't get read on air, you can leave me an intro on that same voicemail line, 801-899-6168, that I could play at the very top of the show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Say it however you'd like, however you're comfortable, or however creative you want to put it. Uh, just like at the top of this show, you heard uh, Warlock Bloodfire's take on it. Uh, very nice, right? You can do it your own way. Be as creative as you want. Send it to me, and I'll put it at the top of the show. And as I already mentioned, I do have a really great show for you this week. Um, and actually, I, I wanted to talk a little bit before I dive right into the show here about interviews and interviewees. Because we have on Radio Free Satan a number of really fantastic podcasts, sometimes you're going to experience overlaps of guests. I know I try to avoid that if ever possible because I don't want to inundate you with repetitive content. So what I end up trying to do is give you a different take on the interview or if if there is going to be an overlap, if I'm aware of it. Uh, Just sort of present the subject in a different way than you may have heard them before in other podcasts. Maybe not even on Radio Free Satan, but just, you know, out there. Because I want my show to be a little bit different than everyone else's, a little bit original, um, hopefully a little bit entertaining (laughs) as well. Um, So, you know, I I try to deliver these individuals that are just uh, really interesting in different interesting ways. Or maybe ask them questions that they hadn't been asked, uh, or maybe just ask them in different ways. Provoking, ideally, a different response. 
Well, in this creature feature, I have Warlock Bloodfire, otherwise known as Lester Hernandez, the uh, lead singer and founder of The Quintessentials. He also just did, and I didn't find this out until after I had recorded the interview, uh, an interview with Vasco Radio. So I'm hoping, I haven't heard Vasco Radio's take on it yet because it's not going to be presented until this coming week, which is when this is going to be airing as well. So I hope it's not repetitive. I hope you can find entertainment in it, and uh, I hope you stick around for it because uh, Les is a, a really fantastic musician, and it's a lot of fun to talk to him and uh, hear his takes on things. And uh, you know, we talk about music, his music, uh, his history with Satanism, and it's a good time. In the Devil's Advocate today, I'm going to be talking about "Don't Be a Slave to Others' Subliminals." This is an article that uh, Anton Lavey had in his book "Satan Speaks." I'm not going to go into, um, well, I'm not going to read the article that's in the book, but I'm going to talk about the premise behind the article and sort of my take on it. In Infernal Informant, I have Teen Girl Says Porn Addiction Led to Burglary, <laughs> and U.S. Military Starts Curfew After Rape Claims. And as just mentioned in Creature Feature, we've had the uh, Quintessentials interview. And I think I'm going to try to throw in a Bizarre the Bizarre, Boy Scouts is Gay. So, stick around for that if you have the time, and I hope you'll stick around for the entirety, because my incense starts right now. In this arid wilderness of steel and stone, I'll raise up my voice that you may hear. To the east and to the west I beckon, to the north and to the south, i show a sign proclaiming a death. To the weakling, wealth unto the strong. Can I get a hail Satan? I said, can I get a hail Satan? We are the Devil's Advocates. Welcome to the Devil's Advocate. As always, let me preface this segment by saying that I am a Satanist. I am a member of the Church of Satan, but I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. Don't be a slave to others subliminals. This is in Satan Speaks, uh, the book Anton Xander LeVay put together, uh, forwarded by Marilyn Manson, and an introduction by Blanche Barton. It's actually a really great collection of writings uh, and essays and articles, so if you don't have it already, certainly go pick it up. It's absolutely worthwhile. In the article, Don't Be a Slave to Others' Subliminals, Anton LaVey talks about this idea that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, there's always some form of stimuli uh, sending in subliminal messages. Now, this could be either a TV in the background, a radio in the background, if you're at work, um, uh, the Muzak playing overhead. Uh, if, if you're in a public area, it could be uh, messages announced over PA. Things that take you out of your internal thoughts that are just sort of present there, uh, humming in the background. Now, he speaks specifically to the idea that it's not necessarily a bad thing, but what you don't want is to be a slave to others' subliminal messages. So to take control over that. So instead of having the television running in the background, maybe uh, create your own atmospheric subliminal sound and have that playing. If you know you're not a particularly creative individual in this avenue, just 
find messages in music or in program or uh, in company and that, that you agree with, that you would like to seep into your mind uh, and have that around to sort of uh, seep into your mind. Now, the idea of having this background noise is that, um, as he points out in this article, he, uh, in the absence of background noise, you focus wholly on everything within you. The ways presented in the article is that if, uh, just as an example, if you have a pain, well, that is going to be amplified because that's what you're thinking about. That's what you're focusing on. And so you could have as a potential solution to that uh, background noise to take your mind off of it. Because if you're not dwelling on something, if you're not focusing on it, then it's not as uh, prevalent in your mind. It's not as uh, forward in your mind. You're not you know, dwelling on it as much. Uh, you know, so something like a a hangnail could end up being torturous if that's all you're thinking about all the time. Uh, it's an interesting notion. I don't think in every circumstance, and Anton LaVey certainly does not present it as a solution or anything. Uh, it, it's, it's much more of a alternative if you're going to have atmospheric um, assaults in your subliminal, uh, make it your own. You know, customize it. Take ownership of it. So you're your slave rather than uh, someone else's. Uh, and, and it's sort of that, that, that notion of um, active opposition that we're going to be talking about briefly as well in the interview at the end of the show. So that's what I wanted to bring up. Uh, really short devil's advocate, but it's, uh, it's a great idea. It's presented in a interesting way, and if you haven't read the article in Satan Speaks, or if you haven't picked it up yet, do so at your earliest convenience, because it's worth it. Let's go ahead and move on into the Infernal Informant. Bodies of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, all in the Infernal Informant. All right, this first article, um, it's short but sweet. A Minnesota woman accused of robbing home to buy porn. Uh, this is actually the Associated Press's version of the article, October 8th, 2011. East Bethel, Minnesota. Authorities say an 18-year-old Minnesota woman admitted to investigators that she broke into a neighbor's home three times looking for items she could fence to feed her porn addiction. Anoka County Sheriff's investigators say the neighbor called to report he had surveillance footage of Amanda Rose Owens sneaking into his East Bethel home through a dog door. <laughs> a dog door. The St. Paul Pioneer Press reports that the neighbor set up the camera after $300 and several items were stolen. Investigators say Owens admitted she had broke in three times. She said she needed money so she could pay for 20 to 30 pornographic DVDs she bought. Owens was charged Wednesday with second-degree burglary. She does not have a listed phone number, and it wasn't clear Saturday if she had an attorney. <laughs> I think this is so funny. Okay, so... Uh, I, I, I bring this up because, obviously, it's, it's hilarious. Um, and I just want to talk about a little bit of this here. 
I have no problem with porn. I'm a fan. <laughs> if there's a sliding scale of liking porn, um, I would be at the top. <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic, all right? But, I, first of all, I'd, in, in the digital age of the internet, why the hell are you buying DVDs? Like, I, this is, like, beyond me. She's buying 20 to 30 pornographic DVDs. And then she's robbing people to pay for it. So I'm assuming she's getting it from like a mail order catalog or an internet ordering something. But you can watch porn for free. And like here's the whole idea. Like a porn DVD is a series of... uh, It's either going to be a terrible story set to porno. Or it's just a series of uh, sort of instances, you know, of, of sex. How much do you need? Like, how much do you really need? I, I mean, you can pretty much skip over the, the, you know, the knocking on the door and the, the pizza guy part of it and just cut to the nitty gritty if that's what you're in for. And, and get it done, you know, do what, you, do what you're watching it to do. But 20 to 30? What, you need like a different one every day? <laughs> Like, I cannot imagine watching that much porn at all, and I'm a fan of it. Uh, So it's just sort of this crazy notion that there's this woman out there who has to have 20 to 30 DVDs that could potentially feed a 12-year-old boy for his entire young adult life of fresh new porn every time he wants to shake hands with the sheriff. And she is, like, robbing people in order to feed this habit. You can get this stuff for free, lady. Don't you understand? There are so many sites online. You don't have to, you don't have to freaking rob people. And what are you thinking? Like, you rob someone the first time, there's going to be consequences to that. But you keep going back? Like, how stupid do you have to be? So not only are you like a sick compulsory, you're like that, you're like literally like the the actual real personification of that uh, uh, Cheech and Chong skit, the Harry Palmer. Like, that's you, except instead of Harry Palmer, it's just a Harry Palmer robber, and you're a girl. It's just so creepy, so weird, and so completely unnecessary. So listen up, people. <laughs> if you're a fan of porn like me, maybe not as much <laughs> as uh, Amanda Rose Owens, but a fan nonetheless, there's places online you can get this stuff for free <laughs> in, in the lengths that that may be required for you to, uh, let's say, come to fruition, so to speak. There's um, <laughs> no reason to go robbing people. Uh, deviants doing deviant things. (laughs) So stupid. Alright, and the second article here today is U.S. military starts curfew after rape claims. This is actually on CNN U.S. October 7th, 2011 by the CNN Wire staff. The United States military has reinstituted a curfew on service members in South Korea after two soldiers have been accused of raping local girls. One of the cases involves a 21-year-old soldier who allegedly broke into a girl's home on September 17th, U.S. Forces Korea said in a statement. The soldier, who was identified as R, is accused of raping the girl and stealing a computer from the home. He had been drinking with her earlier in the evening and walked her home, the military statement said. Police say the accused 
says it was consensual, but admits to stealing her computer. Police are now studying DNA evidence and CCTV footage. Another soldier identified only as I is accused of raping an 18-year-old on September 24th, the U.S. forces Korea said. The U.S. military has handed that soldier over to local South Korea authorities. I offer the victim, her family, and the Korean people my sincerest regret for this incident. We fully expect our soldiers to maintain the highest standards of professionalism and conduct in the community, said Major General Edward C. Carden. The commander of U.S. Forces Korea, General James D. Thurman, said that curfew would be in place from midnight to 5 a.m. Monday to Friday and from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. on Saturday, Sunday, and holidays. It will be in place for the next 30 days, Thurman said. Given the incidents that have occurred over the last several months, I'm reinstating that curfew to, to assess the current conditions, Thurman said. The overwhelming majority of our personnel make the right choices and conduct themselves in a professional and courteous manner. Military officials have rescinded the previous curfew on July 2nd, 2010. That curfew had been in place for nine years. Alright. There is... The curfew's not the problem. Alright, no matter what population you gather together, whether it's soldiers, civilians, or, or a specific community, there are going to be a couple sick people in there. You can't avoid it. It's just the reality of it. And putting a curfew on them, I cannot imagine. If, if you are of, of the pitiful mind frame that you are allowed to rape people... If that's where your head is, then a time is not going to have anything to do with that. You just need to find these people and weed them out of the military after they have suffered the consequences of their actions. Make sure they're not honorable discharges. Make sure they do jail time. But you can't, you, you can't solve this by saying, hey, be in at 9 rather than being in at 11. It's not like at 10.30 they turn into raping monsters or everyone turns into that. This is something that's just stuck in these sick... Try not to swear here. <laughs> these sick people's heads. Uh, and it's rarely about the sex. So obviously there's other problems going on that you should be able to identify through the chain of command. Look at their immediate team leaders, look at their platoon leaders, and find out if there is a history of uh, power or uh, insubordination uh, vacuums. Because chances are, you're going to be able to tell, just because rape isn't about sex, it's about power, that these people were predisposed to doing this. Look at the source, don't look at some curfew to solve this problem, because it's not going to solve it. It's just so frustrating, you know, we try as a country to have a respectful armed forces, and it's funny because we look for a respective uh, type of individual to do the most unrespecting things, like kill people <laughs> uh, who they've never met or have no personal problem with. I mean, that's their job, so you would hope that they'd be okay with uh, that and that there would be some form of switch that they can turn on and off in given situations. But you know what? Soldiers are human, and some of them are fucking sick humans. So you need to identify them and weed them out.
get rid of them. We do not need them ruining our international presence. But even more so, why the hell are we still in South Korea? Like, seriously! I understand that there's a lot of political hubbub about North Korea, and there has been for a very, very, very long time. But we need to stop babysitting that border. Let them work out their own differences in whatever way they want to do that. I just don't think we have a real reason for being there anymore. And what you're getting are soldiers that are going over there for one year or two years without their families. So they're already sexually charged. You know, okay, hold on. I have a solution. Have the girl from the article before take all those 20 or 30 DVDs and send them to Korea. And maybe then those sick fucks that actually have that sickness in their head, maybe they can uh, take it out on themselves. I, I try to make light of it because it is a disturbing thing. But who knows? Uh, I know in an earlier episode I said that soldiers are never wrong. Well, when it comes to actions like this, no one is right. They're always wrong, whether they're a soldier or a civilian anything like that is disgusting it is not okay and everyone knows it so don't act like a curfew is going to be the solution because it's not find the real problem the individual through counseling through identifying uh behavior that can potentially lead to power struggles because it's all about power that's all i have for this infernal informant let's take a quick break and on the other side we'll jump right into creature feature with uh the quintessentials interview you know dogs are different than cats and hey what if jack nicholson were hey what if we are the world was sung by the cast of friends i think it might go something like this hi everyone i'm jay leno anyone remember when i was funny eat doritos ladies and gentlemen dane cook Are you fed up with comedy that's made for the masses? Sick of stand-up comedian hacks with the same old routines that you've heard a thousand times before? Equally tired of shock jocks who equate loudness with laughter? Hello, my name is Reverend Bill M., creator and host of The Devil's Mischief, a show where every week I present a new hour of comedy and novelty of devilish proportions. So tune in to The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com or radiofreesatan.com download the latest podcast The Devil's Mischief Carnal Comedy Clips and Netherworld Novelty Numbers Simply Not Made for the Masses Venture down into Lambert's basement and join me, Dave Ingram and Eagle, where we time travel via nostalgia to a golden age of big band swing and jazz, only available on Radio Free Satan. Message. 
Prepare yourself for Deep Six Radio. I am Matt, host of Deep Six Radio. And I am in Russ. Yes, we are. So if you want to be one of the six taking on the oh-so-lovely Idris and want to be featured on the show... Send your emails... And MP3s... To us at... Deep6... At RadioFreeSatan.com Include a bio... And anything you want mentioning on air... We are open to any genre... Apart from rap... Deep6 also includes a fine selection of alternative rock... As well as multiple other genres... So why not jump on the roller coaster? That is Deep6 Radio... Deep6 is available on... RadioFreeSatan.com And also iTunes... A week later, we, we look, look forward, forward to, to you joining us. End of the line. Hello, my name's Dave Ingram, and I'm Donovan. And we are Metal Breakfast Radio, yep. inviting you to join us with a few beers each week for a dose of metal scrutiny, some verbal skullduggery, and a hell of a lot of rubbish. Rubbish! Find us on MetalBreakfastRadio.com, DarkSentinel.dk, and RadioFreeSatan.com. The damsel in distress comes, breaking through the underbrush, fear painted on her face. The darkness hunting her is near. She is swamp, water slowing her escape. The creature nears, the damsel turns, hands rising to her sides as a last effort to thrust the creature back. Welcome to Creature Feature. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I have a very special guest. I'm being joined by none other than Warlock Bloodfire, otherwise known as Les Hernandez, the lead singer of... You know what? Actually, lead singer. Aren't you, uh, are you, are you rhythm guitar as well, or lead guitar? I am the only guitar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, stupid question. <laughs> well, no, actually it's not, because we, we had uh, rhythm guitar players in the past, so... Right. Okay, so uh, <laughs> lead singer and guitarist for the Quintessentials. Thank you so much for joining me, Les. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Uh, a little bit of um, uh, full disclosure here. Um, I met you already. We met over uh, some beer uh, when you visited Utah this year for your anniversary. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting your lovely wife as well. Uh, it was really, really great uh, sitting down and being able to talk to you one on one. I always find it really nice to, you know, it, it, it's one thing seeing someone over the internet and conversing with them and stuff. But then when you can actually share a beer, I mean, that's that's something else altogether. And it was it was really a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, we had we had a blast too. It was fun. And uh, thanks again. We we uh, we had that little barbecue at your place. That was awesome. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I was telling somebody uh, about your your barbecue, 
a couple of days ago, and it turns out they're vegetarian. I, I kind of felt ridiculous after that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if you, ever meet, if you ever meet Adam, you got to have him make some barbecue. And they're like, oh, I'm a vegetarian. So. Oh, what a God, that, I think that's the worst. Yeah. Right, well, you can't fault someone for a decision like that, I guess. <laughs> I could never do it, though. Um, how about a... I, I had you on the show because I wanted to talk about uh, the quintessentials specifically, but also some of the other things you're, you have going on, which seems like quite a bit in your life right now. And uh, I wanted to talk, hopefully, get maybe a little verbal sneak peek of uh, the new album coming out, maybe dropping a little, uh, you know, when to expect it type information. But before we start any of that, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe? Um, sure. Um, what do you want to know? See, and, and that is, <laughs> I always throw out that really broad question. I think it's interesting because everyone sort of has a different take on it. They'll either go off on a long bio spiel or, you know, they'll, like you just did, uh, you know, ask for more details. And I always think it's interesting how different people approach that very broad question. Um, how about uh, we go a little bit on the uh, satanic side of things? Uh, because we're going to jump into the music side uh, here really quickly. When were you first introduced to Satanism? Oh, God. I must have been about maybe 12 or 13 years old. Um, just bumped into the Satanic Bible, like I think a, a Borders or maybe even a Walden books or something like that back in, in uh, Honolulu. And, uh, you know, read through it. Um, just immediately clicked. Uh you know, I, I mean, I, I didn't actually know that there was a way to contact the Church of Satan or anything like that until many, many years later. Um, when I was around 18, I ran into a copy of The Black Flame, and that's where I seen the address, and I started writing for more information, and uh, didn't actually officially become a member until early January or February of uh, 97 is when I got my membership packet. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So, what was it that prompted you to join um, the organization versus just living as a Satanist? I wanted to put my money where my mouth was, you know. Um, a lot of people can go around blabbing this and blabbing that, and it really doesn't mean anything unless you're doing something and, and backing your statements up somehow, you know. No. Um, Anton LaVey didn't sit on his rear end and, and uh, do nothing. He was actually... Uh, writing and, and, you know, having his books published and, and uh, you know, actually experimenting with magic and, and all of this stuff. So I, I didn't want to be a, like an armchair intellectual or anything like that. <laughs> I, I can absolutely respect that. I mean, after all, you know, we, we, we both joined the organization. And I think that is sort of a, a telling difference between I mean, by no means does anyone that identifies and, and is born a Satanist, you know, have any obligation to join the organization. But I think for those of us who do, who put, put as you put it, our money where our mouth is, and sort of put ourselves out there, <clears throat> rather than uh, inwardly expressing it, uh, we're, we're really just, you know, putting ourselves out there in the world. I, I, I think there's a, a sort of a different, I don't know, maybe... I'd like well, to think that there's a different understanding of the philosophy when you can put it into action versus just thinking. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Anton LaVey said that really struck a chord with me was that Satanism was active opposition, not mm. simply 
intellectual opposition where you sit back and say, oh, I agree with that, but physically doing something in some way to uh, change things. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the very fact that the, the word active is there uh, should say a lot more than than some people would like, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. I absolutely agree. Okay, well, um, let's go ahead and dive right into the quintessentials, shall we? When did you first start the quintessentials? Uh, the quintessentials were founded in 1998. Um, before that, I played in a couple other bands. Uh, one was uh, a little more poppy, um, called The Catalogs. Another was Crawling Chaos with uh, Warlock Mike Silva. And um, both were back in Honolulu, and I moved to Washington for a year. Uh, when both bands ended, I decided I didn't want to stop playing. I wanted to integrate um, what I was doing with both bands, and so um, got a hold of a bass player, uh, a couple other people, and started the Quintessentials. Nice. Um, what was the idea behind the band? I mean, because this was, what, like a year after you had actually officially received your membership pack to the Church of Satan, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, see, before that, uh, Mike Silva and I in in Honolulu uh, kind of had a a little magic circle type deal. Um, We played together in a band called Crawling Chaos, uh, blatantly satanic, and uh, we put a demo out, and a a friend who knew Doc LeVay uh, played it for him, and um, we, we both already, you know, had plans on joining Mike Tron before me uh, by maybe a year or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it kind of just, you know, the fact that Anton LeVay even heard our stuff and liked what we were doing kind of pushed things a little more. It was just a very inspiring thing. Um, at that time, we were also putting out um, a zine called Bloodfire Magazine, which is where the name Warlock Bloodfire came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I ripped off my own magazine. <laughs> and uh you know we we just wanted to get our own ideas out at the time everybody was putting zines out um in, in, the, in the punk rock scene back then and uh we wanted something a little different with our own ideas that uh maybe wasn't so pc or uh extremely liberal just uh get some real satanic ideas out there and um so that lasted for a few issues and you know, it, it just—it was just a big progression where it's, it's just still going today. So, not the magazine, but uh, everything else. Right. Um, have, has there been any interest in, in ever reviving a, maybe a different format for that zine? Um, I actually thought about that. Me and Mike, uh, Mike and I talked about it uh, maybe about a year ago, reviving it, and I just never had the time. Um, but what I did do is I took all of my writing uh, from all the back issues and put it out, uh, compiled as the Bloodfire Compendium, uh, which is um, on my website, bloodfire9.com. And uh, that came out in like 96, I think. Nice. Or was it, no, 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 2006. I'm, I'm thinking a decade behind. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I came out in 2006, and uh, right now I'm actually writing some more stuff for it uh, for a future uh, reissue. I don't, I don't know when that's going to happen, though. Huh, very cool. Uh, well, keep us up to date on that. Yeah. Were you ever concerned when you were first um, 
forming, I guess, sort of the genesis of the quintessentials, and really after a couple albums, about having uh, an outward satanic presentation, do you, did you ever worry about that affecting any potential commercial success? Not so much. Um, if I cared anything about commercial success, I certainly wouldn't even be playing punk rock. Uh, you know, there's... <laughs> Unless you're you're selling out, uh, playing what people want to want to hear, which yeah. you know is fine if that's what you want to do. It's that's just not where my heart is. I, yeah, I, and against the spirit of punk rock, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. It's it's more about artistic integrity. A lot of people say, "Well, punk rock's not artistic." Well, you know, it's creating something that you feel. It's a vision, and that's art. And if I did something contrary to that, I'd be going against myself, which okay. I could never do. Oh yeah. What about like the band, other band members? Uh, do you have a, a steady f- family in the band, or, or is it something where you know you, you've gone through uh, different members over the years? Oh, we've gone through many, many members. My original drummer uh, was an old friend that I'd known since I was three years old, oh, geez. and uh, yeah, and uh, he played on our first album. Um, we had a different drummer for the second and third albums. Uh, she was actually a 17-year-old kid at the time, and uh, just phenomenal. He, he'd been playing since he was a year old. His dad was a drummer. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of... Uh, we had uh, another COS member on bass for a while. Um, I don't know if he wants me to say his name or not, so I won't. That's okay. Um, we had uh, another COS member on guitar for a little while, um, mostly... You know, friends, musicians, I'll put up ads if I need somebody to play. Um, right now, we have a pretty stable bass as a three-piece. Uh, really good drummer, uh, great bass player, uh, just really dedicated guys, and so we're just, you know, recording and getting everything ready for another onslaught. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And um, I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but... Uh, do you have a lot of uh, sort of cameos um, throughout all of your music? Uh, not until this upcoming album, actually. Um, what inspired the, that? Well, it kind of just snowballed, really. Um, what I wanted to do was re-record our entire first album uh, because when we recorded it back then, it just it was good for the time, but it could have been better. Mm-hmm. So that's when I got a hold of uh, Eric Warlock Hell of All Hells, and uh, he re-recorded all of the drums for me. I did all the guitars, uh, all the vocals. Um, the bass is still incomplete. It's been incomplete for two years sitting in the studio, but that's going to be done once I go back to the studio in Hawaii. Well, um, probably like in spring or something like that on vacation, and uh, because I actually recorded all the vocals and uh, and guitars on my honeymoon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, romantic? Yeah, I'm lucky my wife didn't kill me for that one, but she's <laughs> she's a nice gal. Oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so um, when I needed a drummer for this next album, um, I got a hold of him again, and he agreed, and, and uh, so I started sending him demos, and he sent me all the drums, and uh, I was online one day listening to uh, the X Possibles, and I, you know had spoken with Tibby before. Uh, God, I think I think uh, the first time I got an email from her was like 2001. Wow. Yeah. And 
So I said, well, you know, if you're if you're ever in Portland, maybe you can do some guest vocals. And she said, well, I'm going to be there in like a month and a half. So <laughs> it worked out perfectly. Hell yeah. And um, uh, Daniel Bird, artist, uh, Reverend Daniel Bird. Oh, yeah. Uh, was nice enough, gracious enough to uh, do our album art, which is really cool. Uh, he's got a sort of satanic Hawaiian theme going, which uh, I'm really big on. I kind of just shot him an idea, and, and he executed it perfectly. Nice. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. It's called uh, Realm of the Great Old Ones, and should be out by spring. I wanted to get it out by Halloween, but uh, things are just kind of hectic a little bit busy for everybody right now so we're gonna wait till after uh after the holidays and all that That's, it's understandable though i mean you know you just put out sarah alice is dead right so yeah yeah you gotta give your give you guys a little bit of uh, breathing room between <laughs> albums anyway <laughs> a little bit i mean uh um pentagonal revisionism and uh legends from the grave came out almost a year apart uh you know, 2004 and 2005, mm -hmm. just months apart, literally. Uh, we just rushed in and did it. So nice. I kind of like just, you know, boom, back-to-back kind of releases. But it's not always practical. No, but it is, I mean, it's sort of inspiring to think that you can, you know, be able to put together albums within, okay, you know, I say put together, I'm sure there's been a, a long time of sort of, you know, working on the, the individual tracks and stuff like that, but the idea that you're you're releasing albums months apart and, and still in that cycle, I, that's pretty impressive. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's a fun thing. You just, um, you just can't be too worried about sounding ridiculous when you're writing songs, you know? <laughs> uh... <laughs> just like oh it's cheesy what the hell you know it'll be fun or you know what, what's uh, somebody going to say about if I use this line or that line are they going to be offended you know screw them yeah I mean well I mean one it's it's punk rock man. and that, two it's your expression so who fucking cares what they think yeah exactly uh, what do you let me sort of take this back a little bit were there any lessons that you learned from your your first couple of bands that you were in that uh, maybe you employed to the success of the quintessentials. Yeah, always take the lead and make your band your own, or it's just not going to happen. If you're really? playing some, if you're playing somebody else's band, you're pretty much stuck doing what they want. Which is, you know, it's all right because uh, for for drummers or bass players or something like that, because they're always needed. Right. Um, but when you're a guitar player, guitar players are down a dozen. So unless you take the lead. Uh, you're expendable as a guitar player. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I did. I just decided, you know, this is going to be my band, do things my way, and uh, if people don't like it, they can go to hell, you know? Hell yeah. So. Nice. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about this discography. Um, let's see, so in, in 2001, you released uh, The Horn Never Ends. In 04, it was Pentagonal Revisionism. In 05, Legends from the Grave. Uh, this year, 2011, Sarah Alice is dead, and hopefully in spring, Realm of the Great Old Ones. Yeah. I've found that in a lot of bands, after five albums, and this is just my expression, my, my personal point of view, uh, after five albums, bands tend to do something like, uh, start. they do like an album of covers, or I don't know why that is, but 
you know, they always seem to sort of just take an easy album because they already have five under their belt. You know, they have enough that they can just switch up concert songs as needed or, or as desired. They have enough songs to sort of fill the catalog that they're not doing the same exact things every night. Um, and they feel maybe safe enough to put just out an album of, of, of covers and stuff. Has that ever crossed your guys' mind? You know, actually, before I was ever in a band, I would hear songs uh, that I would want to cover. And um, I don't know, like, I, I guess I just never got around to it. Every song that I ever wanted to cover has been covered. Mm-hmm. So there's really no point, and I don't know. I'm, I'm to the point where I just, you know, I'd rather just do my own stuff. You only got so much time on this earth, and and you got to get everything you want to say out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just all about getting my own point across there. But one thing I did notice, um, along with your five album uh, observation, um, a lot of bands tend to change after their third album, is what I noticed. Oh yeah. Like uh, some of my favorite bands growing up would put out three really good albums and the fourth on I just could never listen to. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was an avid Metallica fan. Oh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventh grade. And anything after Master Puppets, I cannot listen to. Really? Just I just can't do it. It was Injustice uh, for All for me. I, I thought that was okay, but I, I didn't like the really thin sound overall. Um, I did go and see them when they when they uh, played back in Hawaii on the Injustice tour. It was the only time I've ever seen them live. But, um, yeah, I just for some reason, the first three albums is what I'm noticing with most bands that I grew up with. And I'm trying to kind of avoid that. So what I'll do is um, go back and listen to our earlier stuff and try and take inspiration from what we did earlier on so we don't steer too far off into something that's just going to be complete garbage. So I think that I think that's a really original take on things because... I would imagine normally people are pushing themselves like, okay, well, we've already done this, so let's evolve, let's grow, let's let's try something different, and maybe that would help explain uh, sort of the alteration in the sound that a lot of bands go through. But you're trying to keep it pure and trying to keep it simple. I, I would imagine, you know, there's a, a handful of punk bands that do this. Um, certainly, I mean, the Ramones is one. They've always sounded like the Ramones. Yeah. Um, Misfits, I imagine, is another one where they just, they just, no matter what, they're always going to have that same feel to them. Kind of, yeah. Um, one thing about the Misfits I noticed is uh, they're kind of getting a little poppier, I've noticed. i got to be honest, I haven't heard the, the last album. Yeah, well, it just came out like a couple of days ago. Really? And, yeah, uh, I, I, I can't even remember the name. But, um, yeah, I think they're they're trying to go for more of a commercial kind of deal. But, I don't know. That's, you know, whatever they want to do. They're the misfits. They can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had touched on this um, a little bit ago, but when you do have so many albums and you're getting ready to play a show, how do you go about choosing the songs for the show? Um, that all depends. We have... Uh, a practice set of about maybe 16 or 17 songs and we'll just say well we got this show coming up let's let's do this this and this uh, if we're playing with some heavier bands we'll do some faster stuff if we're playing with uh, little poppier bands we'll do some poppier you know uh, not as heavy not as fast stuff it all depends on on uh, what kind of crowd we're looking at 
um, how we feel at the time. Sometimes I'll switch up our set right in the middle of the set. Um, we'll come up on a song and say, no, let's not do that, let's do this. And you know, um, Is that based on your mood or based on the vibe from the crowd? Uh, a combination of both. If I'm really pissed off, I want to play fast stuff. And, and yeah. you know, <laughs> if, uh, if it's just boring and... Uh, you know, I mean, it depends on the venue as well. Some venues, there's there's just no helping them, you know. Um, if you play 21 and over a show at a more upscale uh, type of venue, you're not really going to have the same vibe as you would playing like a hole-in-the-wall all-ages show, which is always better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that kind of dictates on, you know, what we're going to do. What do you think some of the drawbacks to playing live shows are? Um, well, for me personally, the fact that i got to sing and play guitar, I can't really be maybe as animated as I'd like to. Um, I can't be maybe as theatric as I, as I would like to. It sounds more fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, you you look at bands like Wasp and Blackie Lawless is up there pouring blood down his face (laughs) out of a skull. I'm like, well, you know, I mean... I'm the only guitar player. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to do this guy's butt. <laughs> but, um, yeah, other than that, I mean, there, there are really no drawbacks to, to playing live shows. I just like doing it. Um, maybe just lugging gear around. Vamps <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> weren't so heavy, you know? But, um, nice. Uh, do you think that... Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, it, is this sort of a, a situation where if – would you prefer it to only have a world where music is offered in a live venue or would or, or, or are you really comfortable with um, the digital distribution of music nowadays? Um, digital distribution is kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time because everybody – on the planet is going digital. Nobody's buying CDs anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the, the the acquisition of music online is uh, basically people just stealing it, so the artists aren't making any money. Uh, it makes it really difficult to keep going when uh, you're not getting the support that you otherwise would um, before all this stuff happened. I remember um, one of my old bands, we'd show up at a show with a huge box of cassettes and it'd be sold out by the end of the show. Now it's not the same because everybody already has your music uh, mm-hmm. that they you know, got offline somewhere. Um, but at the same time, you can post links here and there and, and uh, you know, get a, a broader fan base in places you would never imagine. I mean... Uh, you know, we've been getting fan mail from China, from Greece, uh, England, all over the place. And it's like, wow, I would love to play there, but, um, you know, unless you're going to give me a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> under your friends to chip in and I'm there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing, um, Thanks to Dr. Cyclops Records, we have a, a digital distribution deal now where our music is in, available in over 60 countries, 600 different websites, um, legal downloading, uh, you know, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual. 
So, wow. yeah, they're really cool guys. Um, well, let me touch on just something you mentioned just now. When, when you're in a band, um, and and you're trying to not sell out and really just stay as a personal artistic expression centric band. Do you do you ever tour or, or do you keep yourself or do you feel better staying as a local band? Um, as well, far as I, live shows, I would tour more if. Uh, well, you see, when you're young and you don't have as much responsibility, it's easier to go on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're older and you got a family and your band members have families and they got kids and you know full time jobs and whatnot. Uh, it's a little more. I, I'm not going to tell my drummer, or my bass player, "Hey guys, uh, you can't go to work for the next month because we're going to drive around the country and play shows." <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, I mean, they they need to take care of what's uh, important first, and then we do what we can. Um, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's just a matter of uh, when it's it's convenient for everybody. So, uh, have you ever done a? Um uh, a live internet show, like live streaming. No, never. Is that never. something you'd ever consider? Um, I, I probably would. Yeah. Um, because I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, you know, build it up around a, you know a specific date or something. Um, hype it out and then just uh, let everyone in Hong Kong and China and uh, you know all those far-reaching areas that you know chances are you're not going to get to in the next you know five years. Yeah. Uh, a chance to see you play live, and I think that'd be kind of exciting. That would be awesome, actually. Um, we need a really good sound guy because <laughs> yeah, yeah, video. Live right? shows on the, yeah, I've had some live shows on the internet, and I was like, wow, that's uh, you know, they're a great band, but <laughs> it's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is tough because there's so many factors that you have no control over. So, you know, if they're downloading it on their end and they're just on a choppy connection, then that's what they're going to hear. Yeah, or if there's too much treble or bass or, or everything's muddy and, you know, there's there's so many variables when it comes to sound. But. Nice. Well, you'd mentioned that you're, you're in over 60 countries and you're available on uh, the Internet um, through uh, iTunes and um, multiple other places. Uh, is there somewhere where you would prefer people to pick up your music at? Um, not necessarily. Uh, if they want actual physical CD copies, they can go to thequintessentials.com and uh, order there, or uh, they could order from the Hawaiian Express website. It's our record label, hwnexp.com, and um, interpunk.com also has our physical CDs for sale. Uh, other than that, they could... Uh, you know, go to iTunes, go to, go to their favorite legal download site. Just don't do it illegally, please, people. Yeah, please seriously. <laughs> and that's the worst thing. I mean, you, you go to, you know, somewhere like iTunes, for example, where, which is, you know, really like the first place I usually go to, to be honest. And, I mean, per song is 99 cents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, per album, the average album, I think, is like, like 9, 10 bucks. So it's not like you're... You're really spending a lot of cash for some music that you're gonna you know, legally own. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, most of our stuff, um, you know, we've we've got some sites where it's like sixty nine cents, uh, seventy five cents, oh, or something. Yeah, it's not really a big deal. So, 
Wow, okay. Well, uh, how can people contact you or the band about the music or just, uh, you know, to tell you what a kick-ass job you're doing? Uh, they can contact us through our website. Uh, there's a link, band at thequintessentials.com is our group email. Um, just say something that's going to stand out in the header so we don't get it stuck in our spam folder. We get like 200 spam emails a day. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and... Uh, that's not counting like MySpace and Facebook notifications. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, it's gonna yeah. have to be something that stands out. Definitely, but uh, yeah, you can do it that way, um, or or message us on Facebook or something like that. Uh, Facebook.com/slash/TheQuintessentials. You know, post them on our page. Oh yeah. So I've actually seen on Facebook. Um, you've been doing a lot of, a lot of, uh, I guess, store building, right? I mean, y- you're putting up a lot of products for sale on your, your online store. Do you want to toss out that link for that? Yeah, that's um, actually my bloodfire9.com website. Um, I have a store where you can get all kinds of um, satanic-related merchandise, uh, Vinyl altar banners, um, shirts, uh, journals that can be used, just books of shadows, you name it. Um, so yeah, bloodfire9.com, check it out, spread the link if you like it, um, leave me some feedback. Yeah. Hell yeah. What what prompted um, to go uh, merchandising route as well? I mean, I, well, I ask because I just, uh, it, it seems like it's pretty challenging to, you know, be able to maintain and, and uh, you know, put out albums, and, and then you, <laughs> on top of that, you're doing your own merchandising. <laughs> well, number one, it's uh, it's a nice way to promote my book, um, you know, because it's the same website. Uh, number two, it's fun. I, I really like messing around with graphics. Um putting the silly stuff up or, or serious stuff up, um, you know, being able to buy my own stuff, really. Um, there are things that I wanted to exist that didn't exist, and so I made them exist. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me, man. I, I really do appreciate it. I think you are a an amazing artist that, uh, you know, I think your voice needs to be heard probably by more people than um, are even hearing it now. Yeah. So if you're a fan out there listening... Um, you know what, lend one of your CDs to a friend and, and uh, you know, spread the word if you can about the quintessentials because um, they rock. <laughs> no other reason. <laughs> well, thank um, you again, very much for having me. I mean, oh, it's, it's, it's truly a pleasure. And um, I think everyone out there should be, uh, I'd say every uh, COS member in the know out there actually should be um, keeping your ears wide open for some other uh, a single uh, song that um, Les and I and uh, some other fantastic members are putting together. I think that's going to be a, a real treat, <laughs> seemingly, yeah, if and when it's ever released. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to, to hearing the finished product on that one. Yeah, seriously. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for, thanks again so much. And uh, until we chat again, man, hell Satan. Hell Satan. I'll see you uh, probably next year in person. Oh, that'll be awesome. And now... From the Quintessentials' second album, Pentagonal Revisionism, Megaton.
Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bazaar of the Bazaar. You heard it here first, folks. Boy Scouts is gay. <laughs> now, I'm not saying all of Boy Scouts is homosexual. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, if you're a Boy Scout that you're gay or that being gay is a bad thing. All I'm saying is that I'm not gay and I went into the Boy Scouts when I was a boy and they were gay. All right, so let me set this up for you so I sort of qualify it. I am uh, junior high. No, it was middle school. Um, I don't know. I I can't remember the age. Uh, It was certainly um, in the uh, early, early, early 90s or late 80s. You know, the more I, the older I get, the, the harder it is to tell. All right, so let me qualify this. I'm in the Boy Scouts. Uh, I just moved to a new town. And I never really understood the Boy Scouts. I mean, realistically, as a, a young boy, I was put into it because my stepdad wanted me to be a part of it. And my, my stepbrother was in it as well. Um, so it was sort of a way that we could hang out together and do stuff outside of the house, um, uh, and enjoy nature and stuff. So it, it wasn't a bad thing at the beginning, but what I quickly realized was that the, the Mormon church hijacked the entire Boy Scout movement in Utah specifically and worldwide in my personal opinion. And that, and that means that there's always prayer involved. There's always um, this talk about uh, doing what your elders say and, and sort of, you know, the indoctrination that comes with Mormons um, and just being a good citizen. Uh, and so I started, you know, pulling away from it at that point, not make, not understanding why I was pulling away from it, just that it, it didn't really make sense to me because I think everyone should have this sort of, you know, uh, individual thought thing <laughs> that I've always believed. Call me crazy. Um, so I've always, always been distancing myself. But then a friend of mine, after I moved uh, as a young boy, was also in it. And I thought, well, hey, if if he's going and I know him and he's cool and he's definitely not like the herd, well, then I'll do it as well. You know, and I'll join his little group and we'll see what it's like. Um, I go and we go on this camp out, out in uh, the wilderness and it ended up where, once again, I was fucking outcast from everyone. And nowadays it doesn't bother me, but when I was a kid it was a big deal because I went there specifically because I had a friend. Um, And immediately I was outcast, and I didn't understand why. Um, And this situation revolved around uh, two tents. I was in one, and everyone else was in the other. And I had asked if I could go over to the other tent um, with my friend, and he said, no, 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 you stay here. I should have listened to him. So I go to the other tent and I unzip it and they're all playing strip poker. Little boys playing strip poker with each other. I immediately do a 180 and I'm looking around and I can't say with certainty that there was any homosexual activity going on. I can say with certainty that it's weird that a bunch of boys on a Boy Scout campout are playing an elite group are playing strip poker. That's weird. And so I turned around and then I saw some, and this also I can't say with certainty, um, that it was condoned. 
because the adults who saw me walk in, turn around and walk out, like were laughing when I did that. As if they knew what was going on. Which is sick. Uh, which is disgusting. And which is the reason that that was the last time I ever went with any Boy Scout anything. And I had never been a part of it since. And I've always disliked it since. Boy Scouts is gay. And if the idea of young children playing strip poker is not sick, um, then I just don't understand you. Because I think it is. I think it absolutely I thought it when I walked in on it as a young kid, and I think it now. It's completely inappropriate. It's not something that should be happening um, at a, uh, a, a group organization like the Boy Scouts outing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's sick. So, look, parents out there, if your kids want to be in Boy Scouts, I don't care. You know, do your thing. Whatever you want to do. But be aware that shit like this happens and that you need to be able to talk to your kids about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And if you're one of these religious people overseeing this activity, you need your ass thrown in jail. Because I cannot believe that that's the only shitty thing that's going on. That's just what I walked in on. So, you know, and I can't say that anything else was going on or that there was anything insidious about it. Um, All I know is it was enough to get me out and enough never to have me put my kid in there. So, you know what? There's nothing wrong with adult consensual homosexual activity. But there's a huge problem with kids doing it and that being overseen by adults. So, uh, Boy Scouts is gay. And that's it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit SatanNet, Facebook, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 Cents and get updated on weekly topics. Listen to the show at RadioFreeSatan.com or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. You can also subscribe via iTunes by searching 9 Cents. And don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. If you'd like to meet other Satanists, visit SatanNet, the Satanic Network, at satannet.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine Satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit Radio Free Satan, an online streaming radio station. That's it for another show. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, Hail Satan! Hail Satan!